0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome, welcome. Nice to see you all. Seems like the volume is just a little bit loud. It's a little bit echoey. Can we turn it down just a little bit? And then I have to talk non-stop while you adjust them. So, yeah, that sounds good. Thank you, Sweta. So happy MLK Day. It's a day of service. Not just a day off, but a day of service. And I was thinking like, wow, what would it be like if everybody actually did a day of service today? Something to support their communities and whatever way they wanted. Like what a... Just what, how many things might shift if we had a day of uh, Americans thinking how they might support others. And of course part of this practice is about uh, creating the conditions in which we can support and serve others and support and serve ourselves without making a distinction necessarily I do also want to mention about the weather, this kind of sincere wish that I hope all of you are safe and things are going well. It's quite something that here in the Bay Area, right, there's some neighborhoods that are like, wahoo, all this rain. And then there's other neighborhoods, you know, just the mudslides, um, trees falling, there's like, you know, different places having really different experiences. I saw in the news that just not very far from here in the hills in Belmont uh, there's a big slide it wasn't clear to me I think a house maybe slid I don't know but uh, you know those people are having a very different experience (laughs) than me that lives on the third floor and I never worry about flooding so so I'm teaching this course on um some factors of awakening, and I was um, teaching yesterday, and that factor is joy that we've been talking about. And you know, the students they have some readings to do, and like they'll talk, and all these kinds of things. And one thing that um, I hear in my notes about joy is something that Matthew Bransilver said years ago. Some of you may know he Matthew Brunsell, he's a teacher. He teaches here on occasion and at uh, the Retreat Center. And he talked about something that uh, I just remembered it all these years later, something that, you know, is a support for the arising of joy. And he talked about the joy of being wrong. You might like, wait, wait what? <laughs> Did I hear that right? But just this recognition that this idea or this notion that we have to be right, or we need to be right, really constricts our lives, really constricts our relationships. I've had somebody quite some time ago tell me, well, Diana, would you, I don't remember exactly what it was, but this person said to me, would you rather be right, or would you rather have healthy relationships? And I realized that I had this habit of like correcting people, like, no, it's not actually like that. It's, you know this or that." And quite annoying, I'm sure. So Matthew runs over this idea of joy of being wrong. Another way to think about it is the joy of learning something new. You thought you might have a clear idea of how something works or how it is and maybe it's not what you want or whatever it is. But then to realize, oh, actually it's a little bit different than what I was thinking. or Maybe it's a lot different. Because the truth is, this practice is a little bit about the joy of being wrong. We have this idea or this uh, teaching that there's these underlying qualities that uh, are the kind of the root of all of our suffering, greed, hatred, and delusion, we could say that delusion, right, is just not seen clearly, or being completely ignorant of it. And so we're delusional until we're not, until we see things more clearly. And so, in some ways, we might say that we were wrong and then we become right. It's another way to say it. So, the joy of being wrong. But that's, joy is not the topic for tonight. (laughs) Maybe it should be. But I want to also talk about this uh, other way in which joy arises, joy and happiness. And this is um, from a sutta, and I talked about this maybe last year, I don't remember exactly when, but just briefly, here's an excerpt from the suttas, where the Buddha says, suppose a person were to take a loan and undertake business, and their business was successful, so that they could repay all the money of the old loan, and there would remain enough extra money to maintain a spouse. Then, on considering this, they would be glad and full of joy." Then it continues, "'Suppose a person were afflicted, suffering and gravely ill, and their food would not agree with them, and their body had no strength. But later, they would recover from the affliction, and their food would agree with them, and their body would regain strength. Then, on considering this, they would be glad and full of joy." So this recognition that being in debt is kind of like burdensome and when you get out of debt there's this, uh, this feeling of relief. When you're sick and you recover from that sickness there's this feeling of gladness and happiness or even when you might remember it, bring it to mind is this sense of joy and happiness. And I'd like to read another um, little excerpt of a sutta Again, this is um, the Buddha, attributed to the Buddha. One who removes the anger that has arisen, as one removes with herbs a snake's spreading venom, that person sloughs off the here and beyond as a snake sheds its old worn-out skin. This expression sloughs off the here and beyond. Here and beyond is like this, one way we can interpret it is this real concern about this and that and this other thing is this uh, sense of this papancha, like oh, all these things that we're war- worrying about. But to slough that off as a snake sheds its old worn out skin. One who has cut off greed, as if plucking a lotus growing in a lake that person sloughs off the here and beyond as a snake sheds its old, worn-out skin. So these little vignettes that I've been pointing to are the joy of being wrong and kind of the happiness and joy that happens after uh, being uh, let's see, this was um, having a loan or being ill. Some of you may recognize these are similes for the hindrances, things that kind of get in the way of our practice. Shedding the skin. These are all pointing to kind of like a, a letting go, a sloughing off, shedding what's no longer helpful, what's no longer useful. And that not only that, that there's a sense of relief afterwards, and I, I watched, uh, in order to understand this a little better, I watched a video about how snakes shed their skin. It's quite some, it's quite a process. But the, I watched a video with some snake handler describing it, and he says, you know, the snakes feel ve- very vulnerable as they're shedding their skin, and but then when they do, and it takes some time, but when they do, they just feel great. They, I don't know if they, we would use the word frisky, but uh, they feel. <laughs> better so this idea of letting go letting go of what's not helpful letting go of what's constricting us letting go of what doesn't feel like it's supporting us this is a natural process what I just described these are natural things it's a just a a falling away of what's not needed anymore, what isn't helpful. It's often this falling away, this shedding happens due to, we have like a new understanding, a new way of seeing things, or we have this, um, see them in a way that we didn't before, We're like, oh, yeah, this, I, this doesn't make sense to hold on to anymore. And maybe there's not even that, thought, maybe there's just this natural letting go. So letting go is integral to this practice of this Buddhist practice. And in some way we might say that all these practices come down to this idea of just letting go, letting go. To be sure, this idea of nibbana, awakening, enlightenment, greater freedom, peace... All of these are related to letting go, shedding what's not needed anymore, what's not helpful, sloughing off what's not helpful. So this idea of nibbana is to let go thoroughly, completely, in a way that such so that nothing is left, and the fact that there isn't even anybody to let go of anything. But it to have the the confidence or the trust to do this when we so often with our lives and certainly our society promotes this is so much about like kind of acquiring and getting, attaining, having more and more. So this practice is encouraging us to look the uh, to have this opposite movement, and I'd like to highlight here that this is a natural process. It's not something that is, uh gets wrenched out of our hands while we're screaming, holding on to it, something like that. Because one of the things, it's not so much about what we lose when we're letting go, it's more about what we gain. And I've been pointing to some of the joy and the happiness, but there's also the sense of relief or unburdening, a lightening up or... Something that just feels better. (laughs) This is a silly example, but this is kind of the way that I was thinking about that uh, the other day. I was in my kitchen and I needed to get something out of a drawer, and you know, there was something like stuck in the drawer just because it was had too much stuff in it. Like, oh, I don't need two of these. Okay, I can donate this. I can donate this, and then you know, just getting rid of things that aren't needed. And now the drawer just opens readily. It's kind of like that. Like things are just, oh, this gets in the way. This can maybe support somebody else or may have some other use. But it doesn't need to be in this drawer right now. That's kind of the feeling I have, this idea of letting go. But we might feel uncomfortable with this idea of letting go. Certainly because, in some ways, it might uh, sound a lot like uh, renunciation, which generally we're not so keen on, or maybe it's this idea of surrender, which generally we're not so keen on. I think of Americans, we don't really like these ideas necessarily. Maybe because there's a sense of deprivation or maybe a lack of safety if we were to let go. Maybe we would feel vulnerable. Maybe we feel like all these things that we're holding onto, literal objects, as well as views about ourselves, about the world. Maybe we have this sense that they make us safe. They help us keep the world orderly and predictable and in a way that makes us feel more comfortable. something that I um, I think I heard this from Gail Fransdorf first I'm not sure some years ago I heard this and it, this also really stayed with me what if we kind of instead of this um, idea of letting go sometimes we might see this word giving up but that doesn't sound so and so uh, inviting either like to give up feels like a, that definitely feels like surrender but what if we think about like give up as in higher, like to move it up? That's the, I think the origin of this expression is to like put up on the altar. So to give it up is in this way to maybe uh, as an offering to, uh, in the service of having a better life, in the service of what, opening up to whatever might be available when we're no longer holding so tightly to things. Maybe it's an act of generosity to give up, give up some of our strongly held ideas or views about what it means to be successful or what it means to be a good person or what it means to be a good practitioner, whatever it might be. But this, we're not just letting go of, I talked about Nibbana as letting go of everything, but this is a process. It's a a path that we practice and that we walk along, and the path so much of it is about kind of letting go, shedding what's not needed. But it's always in the service of what's wholesome, what's helpful, what's skillful. Not... What um, causes more suffering? It's more to move into help support these wholesome states of mind, beneficial states of mind, spacious states of mind. Maybe we could say like in the service of um, creating this uh, inner treasure or this inner wealth. Maybe we're exchanging some of these things, objects or views that we thought were going to make us wealthy, some kind of way. But maybe we might still feel this inner whole or incompleteness or something. So there's some of this giving away, giving up, letting go. That really supports this inner wealth, these inner treasures. Certainly joy and happiness are part of those and we need joy and happiness. All of us do. And not only do we need it, it's an integral part of the path. Absolutely integral. This path of practice is not always easy. First Noble Truth, we're pointing to dukkha. This path cannot be just about dukkha, dukkha, dukkha. Right? There needs to be joy and happiness too. Otherwise, we can't really open to the dukkha, the suffering, the difficulties. It has to be a balance. It has to be wholesome. Otherwise, we can't do it. Humans can't just be with dukkha all the time. So the Buddha never says that we have to give away or renounce our wealth, our personal possessions. Instead, we're letting go of that which is not useful or letting go of things that don't serve us. The obvious ones are manifestations of greed, hatred, and delusion, but those show up in so many ways that sometimes we don't even quite recognize them. So this is, this letting go is, maybe it's part of the practice, and it's a gradual process. It's a gradual process to unlearn a a lifetime of clinging and craving, of holding on to. And one way that, this might have been Gil also, that I saw him um, give this example. Maybe some of you have seen him do this too. The way that we're talking about letting go, we could give this example, is with the striker here. One way to let go is to drop it. So you just let it go. Let go. Make a large sound. That's a bonus. But there's another way and just to undo our fist. We still have it, but our relationship to it has changed. We're no longer really holding on to it. So if we're doing this where we're letting it go, maybe that's helpful and skillful, but... Sometimes that feels like a shoving away, whereas this way is we're just letting go of the clinging. We might still have a striker. We're just not clinging. So really, this is the movement, this opening the fist to anything and everything. We could say that this whole practice is to help us do that, to learn how to do that. And so, here's this poem from Rosemary Traumer. She's a wonderful poet, I just appreciate her so much. She's also a practitioner. And she talks about this a little bit, this short little poem, and it's called, A Little Pep Talk. (laughs) And it goes like this. The swirling ash doesn't try to become log again, The fine leaves don't attempt to return to the tree. The girl can't untwist her genome back into separate strands. The flour and the bread can't return to the sack and can't undo the kneading of hands. In all things lives a memory of letting go and the chance to transform into what it can't know. What do you say to that, heart, good self? What do you say to that? So, in this I think Rosemary is trying to give herself a little pep talk, recognizing that she knows that things are better with letting go, with this recognition that everything that's possible or exists now is the result of a certain amount of letting go, bread coming from flour, Falling leaves coming from trees, etc. But letting go is also the process of going forward, too. So along these lines, um, Ujagara, another Dharma teacher, I just saw this title of his Dharma talk. I didn't listen to the talk. I just looked at the title and I thought this title was great. He said the title is "From Let Go." to let's go. <laughs> so instead of this emphatic, you know, let go, something that you have to do, it's this movement of let's go. It's part of like this movement forward, like let, let's let's go to a place where there's less clinging, more freedom. So maybe I'll just say that it's this Letting go of this, maybe the... We might call it a compulsion to really cling onto things. So it's not so much the objects themselves that we're worried about. But it's the clinging and the holding. And this includes letting go of a sense of self. So, as we, as our life unfolds, we have these outdated notions of ideas of who we are to let go of those. They're no longer accurate. As we age and mature and grow and learn We might have learned things when when we were young that aren't so helpful for us anymore. So can we let go of some of those ideas of how we should be or how we shouldn't be or how we are or how we aren't? But then this practice is pointing to something even deeper just to even let go of the idea of any self whatsoever. This sense of a self that's at the center of everything feels like the whole world you know our worlds feels can feel like there's this permanent stable steady entity at the center around which everything is circulating if you really look it turns out it's not there these momentary ideas, oh, it feels like there's a center there, but then when you go to look at it, it's not there. Oh, it's over here, and then you go to look at it over there, and oh, it's not there either. This often makes more sense. If, uh, you've, often it takes uh, some meditative experiences when the mind is really quiet, We can see this more clearly. But it's maybe similar to this idea of um, when we're doing something that we really love, a hobby that we really love, whatever it might be, knitting, gardening, gaming, whatever it is. Notice how there isn't a strong sense of self there. There's just whatever it is you love to be doing, drawing, sketching, playing the guitar. Whatever it is, it's just that activity It's really an enjoyable experience because there isn't this this sense of self in the center. So we all have these experiences and what this practice is pointing to is the freedom that we experience like in those flow states. But to have that all the time and to feel the, the freedom of that And to be sure, some things are worth holding on to. And some things are worth having in our life and are appropriate to have. Relationships and values, all kinds of things. But it's this movement of just holding them like this with an open hand instead of like this. So again, the, the emphasis is more on this movement as opposed to having to get rid of any particular object. Or even our views. Sure, we have views. But what is it like to, to have a view of, this is, this is what makes sense to me right now. This is my current understanding. The way that I understand it seems like this. That's very different than I'm right and you're wrong. To say, like, you know, my understanding is this is what makes the most sense. Or this is my provisional thinking. I can't see any other way, but this is, this is the way that I'm holding it right now. Or what I'm thinking right now. So I'm talking about letting go in terms of, like, this Buddhist practice. But to be sure, letting go is uh, essential for just whether you're a practitioner or not just for a happy life. And we let go all the time. We let go of plans when the weather changes, the person we were going to meet no longer can do it. You know, we let go of that. We change our opinions on things, our preferences. I used to really dislike ketchup. Now I think ketchup is okay. <laughs> it just happens, right? But, of course, this is... uh in daily life, we are letting go of things, but often we don't notice. And we do this, right, just effortlessly. That's when we have new information or new understandings. And so this is pointing to the same thing. And so, one thing that we could do in our daily life to support kind of this movement towards letting go is. So just let go of the clinging for short moments. Oh, I think that uh, there's that ice cream in the freezer. We have this idea of like, okay, I really want this. We have this desire and then clinging to this idea of uh, think that will definitely be a source of lasting happiness if I have more ice cream. But just uh, say, well, what if I just let go of that idea right now? I have the desire, but it's okay. It can be there, but I don't have to do anything with it. So we're not holding on to it tightly. And It's a little bit uncomfortable at the beginning maybe, but then notice that the mind state it feels kind of like strong and wholesome after doing that. Maybe ice cream is too big of a too big of a place to start because ice cream is often associated when we don't feel well, we want to or have emotionally don't feel well, we want to eat ice cream. So maybe maybe we don't start there, but start where something that's easy. And just like, okay, I I'm gonna I want this. And maybe just to say "Mm, maybe I don't need it right now. Something simple. Maybe a cup of tea, or at that moment, like, oh, I'll wait, a snack, something like this. And so it's just one moment at a time. We're not saying that you forever, we can't have a cup of tea or ice cream or a snack again, but just to notice how does it feel to have maybe like this desire and want to hold on, and instead to kind of lean back and say, mm, I don't think that I will. This moment, I can next moment, but this moment I'm not going to. And it's just like this, it's just small moments. One after the other, or maybe it's a moment of not clinging, and then there's a moment of clinging the next. But just to notice how the mind feels when we've been able to soften or let go some of that clinging. And this can be a tremendous support. I'm talking about how the joy and happiness after letting go of these things, or the joy of being wrong, or when you're no longer sick, getting better, or like a snake shedding its skin. But see for yourself. What does it feel like when you do a little bit of letting go? And notice how it feels in the mind, in the body, in the heart. And let that knowledge be a support for you. This is a gradual practice. We've been cultivating the habit of getting, chances are, most of our lives. So this is definitely a gradual practice. It takes time. It's not a straight, linear Process requires us to let go of some of our allegiances to things that aren't so helpful, but might be pleasurable. As a process, but maybe we can choose to be a little bit more skeptical about these things that we're holding on to. Do they? Will it really make me happy in a way that's supportive and fulfilling helps build the life that I want to build the direction I want to go so this idea of letting go but maybe not just letting go but recognizing the the relief, the joy, the happiness that's on the other side of that associated with it so maybe I'll stop there and open it up to see if there are any questions or comments. It's perfectly fine. Oh, there we go behind you, Tim.
1: Hello, uh, my while we while you were speaking, um, I was thinking about the relationships as something that is difficult to, you know, shed. But there's sometimes that urge to want to shed <laughs> certain relationships and things like that. But um, I don't know how to navigate. not letting go versus pushing away um, as well as thinking about how that impacts other people as well. So, you know, if I'm not clinging, is that something that affects other people in a negative way? Does that cause suffering? Um, Or I guess I just I just think it, so much of the way that we express care and love is by this clinging, or at least in our culture, right? You're you're here, I have you, um, and just trying to trying to navigate that better, to hold it this way um, rather than than saying, it's hard to even put into words. Um, Even just holding sometimes doesn't seem like enough for relationships. I'll say that. Hmm. And when you feel like I either need to hold on or push away,
0: Understand how you're supposed to determine that kind of direction. Um, so, so is your so is your question? So to just be like this open-handed way, mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to anything else, right? Holding on, which either is bringing close or pushing away. Both of them are kind of like a little bit of a grabbing, grabbing maybe, or something. Yes,
1: but it's so much harder when it's in a relationship because yeah. there's another person involved. With yeah. It. Yeah. And so, if you're not, you know, it's kind of like a tug rope that both of us are holding on to, and we're supporting each other. But if you let go, then that person falls.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it's quite something to just love. <laughs> <laughs> to just love, yeah, and right. And in, in relationships, if one person, right, exactly as you said, starts to shift, then of course it affects the other person. And there might need to be some renegotiating, right? Maybe it doesn't even happen with words, but uh, this because often what happens, and I need to tell you this. So I think we all know this: that when we're, there's a little bit of holding, then there's also there's this little bit of, well, I want you to behave this particular way, and my preferences are that you do it this way and not stop doing that thing that I think don't like, and but. Um, Part of this, of to do this, is to let go of that as well. So they feel the freedom, but can they feel the warmth also? So, this is not easy, right, to redefine, renegotiate something in relationships, but there's something really beautiful that happens when people feel like you love them, you care about them, you see them, you are with them, and you support them without insisting, demanding that things be a certain way. People really blossom under that, right? We all do. Does this... I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but... I feel like you did. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you. Does anybody else have have a question?
2: I think maybe more of a comment than than a question. Um, when you first started talking about letting go, I thought of like subtracting or giving what, giving you know, getting, um, having less excess. But then I started to think of it as a positive. Maybe you let go of negative thoughts or or self perceptions, and it's actually you're gaining more more abundance of things that you know make life a little bit more worthwhile and whatnot.
0: Fantastic. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, I could have uh, said that too. I could have kind of pointed to that, letting go of negative thoughts. But there's so many things that we're holding on to that we're pretty convinced are, gonna, are really important that later turn out not to be so important. So maybe um, not just the things that are negative thoughts, but all kinds of things. But thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. I don't know if our friends on the. Oh,
2: okay. Uh, thank you for your talk, uh, Diana. I heard a talk yesterday by a Tibetan teacher about joy, oh, and nice. uh, he talked about looking at the blockages to joy. I was wondering if. So that's sort of been resonating with me, because sometimes when I hear talks about joy, there can be a little bit like, "Oh, I should be I should be having an experience of joy, and I'm not, and you know w- what's wrong with me." <sighs> so, do you have any things that you'd like to say about what blocks joy?
0: Do you have an idea, Jim, of what blocks
2: joy? Well, on a tube tin does. <laughs> and I think it resonated, which was um, aversion. Um,
0: yeah, I'd say aversion. I would say the idea that you're supposed to have joy, that, that's oppressive to feel like, oh, I'm supposed to be happy. But that doesn't make us feel happy, right? Something like this, these ideas that we should be a particular way. But you have more in the list?
2: Well, um, So maybe you could talk a little bit about how does one support the values that they have in a way that isn't clinging? You know I mean, Because sometimes when I hear about well, just let go, you know, it's 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 that. But um, there do seem to be things that I value that I'm willing to—I don't know if I'd say fight for, but put effort into uh, upholding. So how does how does that fit into? letting go, and yet still having uh, values, particularly about qualities that we cultivate in the practice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking this, because that is kind of a danger in this talk that I'm going, like, letting go, letting go, and you can feel like, oh, it's just this passive, just let go of everything, and then you're a lump of something. Yeah, so it's in the service of what is wholesome and helpful and skillful. So I think uh, the values that you have, like we can use as a north star, and the letting go is to help what helps move towards that north star. So, and some of the values, of course, are, maybe we might think of uh, some of the paramis or, you know, generosity or... uh, loving kindness, mindfulness, a settledness of mind, honesty, these types of things. So as opposed to grabbing onto the experience of them, using them as a direction and have our actions go in that direction, support that. Is, Is that helpful at all, using this kind of a different language as a North Star as opposed to something that you stop holding onto?
2: Yeah, I think so. So Yeah. Thank you.
0: I, I can appreciate how um maybe that that's maybe the danger of a talk of it like this is this feeling of um like there's nothing to hold on to, which turns out to be true, but that's not its <laughs> not uh uh what I um but that's some, that's some like it can be a meditative experience where you can see like, oh, things, things aren't as solid as I thought that they were. And that's kind of odd to talk about and it can be off-putting and uncomfortable and, and to talk about. But this does sometimes arise as a meditative experience and that's perfectly fine, part of the way, part of the practice. But thank you for your question, I, I appreciate that. Okay. Oh, okay. So maybe one, do you, do you can do you, if you can, uh, I'll give you a quick answer.
3: Yeah, I, I think um, letting go. You know, for all of us, it's you know easier said than done. And I think the part of it is, you know, there may be times I feel like if I let go, it will be an empty hand that results. And I think, you know, when you can go for time after time with an empty hand, and you know. You, I get caught in the the train of thought where I'm just like, okay, so what 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 are the possibilities with this empty hand? Now I don't see any possibilities. This is why I this is why I'm clinging to yeah. this thing. Yeah. So you know, I, I guess maybe I can probably answer my own question, but it's like you know, it's like what in this path we're on? You know, do we cultivate that? Almost like this courage. I, I'm sitting with the word courage now to kind of open the hand open, or even. The thing might fly away that i 'm clinging to, and you know and that everything will be okay you know that 's kind of the big question i 'm sitting with right now, so i don 't know if you have any thoughts
0: I do I have a few thoughts one is just to notice these natural letting goes that are just happening already when you 're letting go of plans that you made or you letting go of a view that you had, and you get some more information like, oh wait, oh, that turns out not to be quite right. Just notice those, and you'll just start to see, oh yeah, this is a natural thing that you're doing already. We're just cultivating it and maybe broadening it. So that's one thing. A second thing, it's so much easier to let go if you have a feeling of abundance as opposed to lack. What supports a feeling of abundance turns out to be generosity. In whatever way, if it's with your resources, time, money, or generosity, giving people the benefit of the doubt, whatever way, this is part of the reason why generosity is kind of a fundamental teaching, is because it does give this sense of abundance, this feeling of, like, oh yeah, uh, I don't know, to share, it really touches us and affects us, so that also will support a sense of letting go. And then I had a third one that just slipped my mind, let's see if it'll come back. But some of them are, you know, it doesn't have to be these grand gestures. And as I said, this is a long process. It's a practice. It definitely is. But just notice when unburdening happens. We tend to be dismissive of these things because we're busy trying to get something else and we're not even noticing all the shedding that we're naturally doing. But once you notice that and notice kind of like how some of these... um, these sutta quotes like the snake shedding its skin how it just feels like oh what a relief but maybe sometimes this relief is really subtle so it requires a little more paying attention to and I keep on talking wishing that that third thing would come back into my mind but I'm afraid it hasn't so we'll leave you with these two (laughs) okay so we're a few minutes after the hour so thank you and if you'd like you're welcome to come back uh, you, to come up here and talk with me. But otherwise I wish you all a wonderful evening. Thank you.